have you tried I, not dying on Scarif? Mm, didn't consider that one, did ya? It is a period of civil war beyond a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the podcast within a podcast, Rogue Ones, for our parodies of Star Wars episode in honor of the release of the Lego Skywalker Saga game. My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Claudia Says. And my gender of the week is Lego Star Wars Finpo. Um, to so the anime- true. <laughs> and Cody Wan, to be fair. Um, you know, shout out to the animators. Uh, I know that you guys were crunched into oblivion to make this. And the fact that you took the time to have Finn jump out of Rose's arms into um, Poe's arms. You are, you do God's work. You threw the first Lego brick. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say that exactly, word for word. I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on TikTok at the Jewish Jedi. And even though Pesach was actually before we recorded this podcast, my gender is Passover themed. My gender is God's favorite creature, the world's largest frog, which I'm happy to explain. So are we all familiar with the 10 plagues? Yes. I mean, I'm familiar with one that I lived through, but... Okay. Okay. So one of the 10 plagues is frogs. However, the Hebrew word for frog, it has a plural form and a non-plural form, right? In the Torah, when God is like, I'm sending frogs down on the people of Egypt, the word is singular. And then later is plural frog. So there's a midrash that's a couple hundred years old, I believe, that basically is like, hey, um, this sounds like it's just one like pyramid-sized frog that God drops on Egypt and then it like stomps into the city. And every time the Egyptians hit it, it makes more smaller frogs, which is why it becomes a plague. Which, which quickly, which video game uh, villain is that like? <laughs> you keep hitting it and then the smaller, smaller ones come out. I feel like that's, there's some boss oh, in a video oh my game God. like that. Yeah, the Passover video game where <laughs> the Egyptians are fighting a giant frog. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think there's like a real boss in a real video game like that, but I can't, I don't play enough games to know. <laughs> yeah, you're asking Noah and someone who is on multiple occasions said, I don't play video games. Anyway, I'm- And I don't know, but yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's my favorite piece of, of, of Jewish wisdom, that there yes. may have been a pyramid-sized frog involved in the template. That is my, so- My favorite thing about Noah is that, well, we host a Star Wars podcast, and then he'll be like, the gender that I'm bringing this week has nothing to do with that franchise. Anyways. He's the Jewish Jedi. It's on brand. That's fair enough. Fair enough. You win this time, the Jewish Jedi. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. Um, and my gender this week is Perry the Platypus in Rogue One. That's so powerful. Okay, no, because where in Rogue One? Does he survive? <laughs> okay. Is he on Scarif? Is, is he K2SO? In a lot of ways, he is Jin Erso. No, that means he dies. Mads Mickelson's favorite child, Barry the Platypus. Okay, but however, in the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars parody, it is implied that Dr. Doofenshmirtz is Galen or so. So, like, there's That's just a powerful. lot of things. Well, they're both autistic yeah. kings. So true. They are. Galen is they pretty much autistic. Remember, remember when Galen Urso tries to commit election fraud? <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that the plot of Fantastic Beasts it 3. Is. It really is. 
Yeah, I guess the necessary sequel to Holocaust Vape Skull Future Vision is Killer Grindelwald yeah, commits election fraud. Noah, Noah, the f- the skull he vapes out of is the twin sibling of the creature that is the Electoral College. For those of you who are and for the they're fighting for what is the position called the Supreme Mugwump. <laughs> for those of you who are listening, um. We are we are not making a funny haha. This is real. This is the real plot of the film. Um, please do not go see this film. Just look up. Yeah, the fuck J.K. Wi- Rowling. Yeah. However, this is such a funny concept. Yeah, I'm um, just anyway. look up the plot on on Wikipedia and and lose your fucking mind. Anyway, um, yeah. So the Lego Star Wars is one of the funniest parts of Star Wars and is full of parody. We've talked about. The uh, holiday special, we've talked about the Halloween special on here, um, and people have been talking about the big video game that just came out. Um, So this week, we are going to kind of explore the world of Star Wars parodies, which is so large because it's been 50 years, um, and there's a lot to, there's a lot, there's a lot on this journey. Um, But the way we want to begin is just to define what is satire and what is parody? So I feel like this was, this was just an important distinction to make because I think the internet sort of uses these ideas interchangeably when they are like very, very, very different. Um, I have copied the definition of parody from Wikipedia because I just like how it sounds. And I'm going to do a close reading now. I don't have a real mic, so I can't do ASMR, but pretend that I am. <laughs> uh, however, the writer and critic John Gross observes in his Oxford book of parodies that parody seems to flourish on territory somewhere between pastiche uh, which is just where something fools around with the material of high literature and adapts it to low ends, but also makes it distinguish between like parody and the burlesque, which basically is the idea that parody is supposed to be funny, but it's poking fun in a nice way. Like the goal of making a parody of something is inherently because the creators of that parody love the pro- love the property in question. Satire, on the other hand, is not necessarily poking fun. It's more drawing out like this is a negative thing and we're going to attack it in a very humorous light. I mean, I think when you said the part about pastiche, um, this is why a lot of fan fiction can often, and that it is like done from the love of the thing, some fan fiction can often be parody or is written purposely to be parody. As um, I think the genre of crack is, that's what it is, um, that we often deal with much on this podcast. it you know it comes from that same like love of the thing um and also i think the the part about like oh why are these two things often conflated or why do we never know what it means i'd like to blame south park specifically south park um there are a lot of things that have contributed to our like well it's satire so like lighten up kind of kind of thing but like south park much like the star wars prequels and other like the big cultural franchises that were coming out in the early 2000s shout out to the spider-man movies and lord of the rings and and the star wars prequels and all that kind of stuff south park is a part of like the founding dna of the internet and also of like everybody's humor and then that carried into everybody who then joined and how it works and what they think satire is um and that you can just be funny by being an asshole um, and it's not funny, and they stop writing jokes. Yeah, and that's a distinction I actually forgot to make in, in defining satire, which is that a really critical part of a good satire is that the audience is aware of what is being satirized and who the joke is at the expense of, which is a theme we will circle back to later. 
Um, but yeah, that that is an important distinction to make is that a, a good satire only really works if the audience knows, if the audience is basically in on the joke. Um, however, re-parodies, I do think it's important to note that a lot of things that we're going to talk about today, like they are a labor of love. They are making fun of Star Wars, but they are also very much like made by people who clearly love this, I don't even want to call it a property, media conglomerate, perhaps. Franchise. Yeah. Know, fictional universe. Large franchise that is everywhere um but yeah intellectual like, property but these are these are made by people who do they do enjoy this um so that said mel do you want to take us into our into our first parody of the evening yes um before we get into that actually i did want to also interject i was um interested to hear your thoughts about this because i think sometimes a parody can contain satire but that does not mean that they're the same thing that they are the same thing and i think that's really evident at least in the star wars parodies that i watched where it's like you're clearly like satirizing this one concept that you think is kind of in line or with the theme of star wars but i disagree and we can get into that but i i totally agree with that standpoint i do think that parody can contain satire um, I am also of the belief that like, at least for me, I like categorization. So I like to be able to be like, this is parody, this is satire. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is, there is some, some definite, um, bleed over there. And I do think it's a good point to bring out that like within a parody, there can be like certain scenes, lines or moments that are like very clearly like an, a satire. Um, and they can sort of like, I'm doing a hand motion right now, but this is an audio media, but they sort of like mesh together a little bit in those times. I think the best example of that, like we're going to get into some more long form parodies, but there's a lot of shorter ones that we may mention. The one that comes to mind with that bleed over for me is the How I Should How It Should Have Ended series, which they do for like any major movie or TV show or whatever that's coming out. But like when they've done it for Star Wars, for example, like it it's it does kind of like the cinema sins thing of like, oh, here's like what should have happened or whatever. But then it also does a lot of like, you know, funny, loving things as well um, that are just like making fun of like what's happening not in like a not in like a bad way. And like. It, it's it very much goes back and forth in that way uh, and people would argue like honest trailers goes back and forth with that as well but like it it kind of goes it, it goes back and forth with that um very very much <laughs> cinema sins you're my fucking enemy and i hate what you've done under the media landscape we've talked about cinema since thrawn on here we have you just weren't there because you don't know anything about thrawn who we said that i don't know what if, when it came up in a conversation, we basically said that Thrawn would be like kind of like the CinemaSins guy, like because he's really into art. So if he did that for like movies and stuff, like he he would really pick it apart. However, he does like the artistic side, so like maybe he would also like he could also be the CinemaSins guy's enemy as well. He could be like <laughs> fuck you. It's about the art. And with that, I I'm I'm trying to think where I should start. Um, I could go chronologically, or I could go kind of just as I'm vibing. Go chrono- like, I think go chronologically okay. because if we want to talk about like the history of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So here is the thing. I watched six different Star Wars parodies. <laughs> to be fair, three of them are all in a cel- the same self-contained universe. I just, I needed to know more. I needed context. I, I can't wait to get there. So I'm going to start talking about Spaceballs, which came out in 1986. Um yeah. <laughs> It was not the first Star Wars parody, but it's one of the first. Yes. So, and I would like to also say, I have not seen this. So, if we could get perhaps a plot refresher. Yes, of course. So, Spaceballs um, is basically a new hope in a way. Um, it is about a gentleman named Lone Star. Um, <laughs> he is the Han Solo slash Luke Skywalker archetype. He is like... <laughs> 
he is a force user but oh sorry schwartz user because that is what it is called in this universe um and also like the like pilot who's like uh, i don't have any friends except for my best friend who is named barf uh barf is short for bartholomew um that's he is, so powerful <laughs> he's a mog a man dog um i love barf um he is very charming he's played by john candy um anyways uh the whole plot of this movie is that princess vespa who is the leia of this universe <laughs> doesn't want to get married out of um convenience she wants to marry for love so she runs away from her wedding um and the space balls who are the bad guys the empire um who have a lot of phallic imagery obviously as like they are kind of deal um they, they kidnap her because um she's run away from her wedding and they want um access to the airlock of her planet because there's like this basically her her <laughs> planet is like almost vacuum sealed in the reverse so that's oh my a God, bunch just of air. like scarif <laughs> it's like scarif they want it they no literally okay okay so this is what happened what happened <laughs> was space balls so this, is a, this is a thing i mentioned before we started recording is that once the sequels and also the anthology movies started coming out there were people who were like how did space balls predict this um you know, it's just one more thing that Spaceballs predicted. <laughs> Spaceballs, there is a shot that kind of reminded me of Solo, just a little bit. Um, but I don't know how to describe it in a way that's not going to make me sound fucking crazy. Anyways, so basically, um, uh, oh god, what is the name of the planet called? Oh my god. Uh, Druidia. That is the name of the planet. Um, has this, like, shield around it. Um, and they need the passcode to open it so they can steal all the air out of Druidia because their planet is running out of air. Also followed by the president of the Spaceball Planet is reading a Nixon book. <laughs> like, it's in political. bed. It's Why political. is Nixon here? <laughs> That's a great question. I was Get him out of this movie. It was definitely not the point of that scene because he is also like fucking and sucking. But I was like, why are you reading a Nixon book? Anyways. Anyways. So... They kidnap her, so or they want to kidnap her, so she can give them the. Uh, they can extort her to get the passcode to get the air. She also has a um, robot called Dot, who is played by Joan Rivers. Much to I think about about that. <laughs> what? It's yeah, C three PO is. It's Joan Rivers. Is Joan Rivers? Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> it's- <laughs> It's crazy. She has this, she has the, like, this, like, m- like, a uh, plate on her chest that, like, is, like, what mode she's in. So, like, there's sleep mode. Uh, I think there's, like, maybe an attack mode. I can't remember. But there is also virgin alarm. Um, there's a scene where Vespa and Lone Star are going to kiss and her virgin alarm goes off and she's like, stop it. Stop oh my, it right just now. Just like C-3PO. Like, exactly. Uh, wait. POV, Joan Rivers is going to beat you to death. Did this come out before or after Empire Strikes Back? Well after, right? Okay. It's 87. So then, okay. The bite of 87. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was a fucking Five Nights at Freddy's Lord joke. Anyways, so basically Lone Star um happens because he is indebted to Pizza the Hut, um, who is a large frankly, one of those terrifying creatures I've ever seen in cinema. Like it was very Kafka-esque. It, it scared me as a child. Pizza the Hut scared me as a child. Like, they were like, oh, Claudia, you love Star Wars. Like, this is a, there's a lore drop about me is that my family are, like, white people who are obsessed with Mel Brooks movies. Um, 
but none of my family likes Star Wars, so Spaceballs was always their least favorite. But then mm. I like Star Wars, so Spaceballs became one of my favorite. But the few times that we did watch it, uh, they were like, Claudia, why don't you like this and whatever? And I'd be like, Pizza Hut is so scary. Okay, so <laughs> I just looked up an image of this thing. And I'm not going to lie, my little first thought was I was like, this looks like a fucking David Carningberg movie. Like, <laughs> this is, it's hey, scary. Hey, would you like to know the grotesque and terrible end that man meets? I would love to. He gets trapped inside of a limousine and eats himself to death. Oh my god, I forgot about that. No, okay, this is a horror movie. <laughs> it's fucking That is bleak. objectively a horror oh, movie. Oh, okay, also, so anyways, point is, Lone Star and Vespa meet, and they hit it off. They've got, they've got banter, they've got jokes. Um, they don't, they've got, like, enemies to lovers type vibes. It's whatever. Um, but they crash on this planet that is obviously Tatooine. One of the best scenes in all of Star Wars or not Star Wars, in fucking Star Wars parody history happens where um, the Palpatine-esque character, the president, is like, go comb the desert. And it just cuts to two stormtroopers holding this huge, huge comb going through the desert. Um, it's, that's that's it. iconic. We can, we can end the episode there. That is the best <laughs> joke. <laughs> okay, I would also argue, there's also a very good joke, um, when it, Lone Star is trying to... Um, uh, save um, Vespa uh, originally when she's getting like tracker tractor beamed into their like ship. Um, he's like, uh, Barf, jo- jam their signal. And Barf launches this huge jar of jam at their fucking <laughs> satellite dish and it jams them. They don't make movies like this they anymore. They don't really make don't. movies like this. It's also just, it's Mel Brooks movies. I love them. This is in particular, I'm like, this is shit is funny. Like, it's funny in a way that doesn't feel, like, hurtful. Um, that being said, there is, like, some things about Jewishness that I, as a non-Jewish person, feel unequipped to talk about. Um, very specifically, there is a scene. It is the scene where they extort the code to the planetary lock um, from Vespa's dad. They get him on a fucking FaceTime call, essentially, and are like, oh God, listen. I yeah, I was like, whoa. Basically, they're like... Hey, we're going to reverse your daughter's nose job that you got her for her 16th birthday. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I was like, this is definitely um, thick a stereotype. This is not great. So if I could have a brief interlude to talk about Mel Brooks and satire, because I think about this, I think about this gentleman a lot. Um, because obviously Mel Brooks is Jewish. We know this. Um, And he has a lot of jokes about Jews, some of which I think are very funny and some of which I'm like, okay, that didn't age very well. But also comedy age is like the switches and poorest of all mediums. So like, it's not. However, like I mentioned earlier with the whole, like it's important that people watching satire know what the joke is that they'd be in on the joke. Um, The issue with making satire about like the group that you belong to is that outsiders of the group will laugh at it, but it's not the same. So like, it's complicated because on one hand, I'm like, this joke is like, there are funny jokes you can make about like being a part of a minoritized community. We do it all the time about gay people because it's funny. Like, however, it gets really dicey and complicated when like the out group is then basically feeling like they are allowed to laugh. And that is this, weird intersection and this weird line that I don't really know how people like reconcile with about where and when it's okay. Because like, like for example, I love Jojo Rabbit. It is a wonderful movie. Fuck you. If you don't like Taika Waititi, but 
one of the things about it is that it makes a lot of jokes at the expense of Jewish people and about the Holocaust and about the Second World War. But Taika Waititi is a Jewish man and they're good jokes and they're like, they're well-made. But then you have a lot of Gentiles that are like finding this extremely funny because it is. And it's like, this is weird. It's not like bad per se, but it's weird. And it's a really weird gray area that satire often creates. Um, and I haven't seen Spaceballs, so I cannot speak to how well that was done because not all of Mel Brooks's work has aged super well, which is, it's normal, it's comedy, it happens. Um, but I do think that's just, and it's, it's an interesting thing to note, especially in like the area of comedy of like, who is the joke of the expensive and who is laughing are really important questions. But boy, does that get dicey fast. Like the second you present it Absolutely. to an audience, it's so weird. It's, it's so weird. It's funny because whenever people want to bring up the whole free speech thing, they're like, nobody can make a joke anymore. They're always like, oh, they never would maybe be able to make blazing saddles or anymore. And it's funny. It's like, actually, the the difference between South Park making whatever joke and, and you making whatever joke was that Mel Brooks is a Jewish man making a lot of these jokes. And he also had like Mel Brooks was a Jewish man making a lot of a lot of these jokes whatever and it was it was punching up a lot of the time like he probably couldn't get Blazing Saddles made for different reasons like maybe not greenlit for different reasons but it has other problems um but actually it it would not be canceled in the way you you think it would um it it, it has a different context than Haha, ha, we're South Park and we make fun of everybody. I'm going to keep bringing you back to South Park because um, all roads lie back. I I to South Park. I I am the millennial on this podcast and I I used to be really into South Park. <laughs> there is a fandom around South Park. I was never a part of that. It was just like I was a I was a very depressed teen who got really into like comedy. I was really into the Book of Mormon. I was really into anything on Comedy Central. I would like watch the I would watch like the Daily Show whatever and then they had they had on comedycentral.com you could watch like random like you could press a randomizer button and watch like a random episode of of South Park and like that's what I did when I was depressed in college before I got into Futurama. It was a before that it was How I Met Your Mother. Like it was a it was it was rough bleak. out here. It was bleak before I started watching things that were better. Anyways, yeah. So I all roads lead to South Park in that um, the context is is very crucial. Noah, have you seen History of the World? Um, I haven't, but I also, I kind of want to burst your bubble about South Park for a second. And um, I don't know if you know this, but Trey Parker, Trey Park? His name is Trey. Trey Parker? Um, yeah. One of the creators of South Park, his mom is Jewish. Really? He, he, is, he is Jewish. He does not identify with it religiously, but he is Jewish. And I, I, point, this out, I point this out because... This is that point of like who is laughing at the joke and who's in on it. Yeah. Because the thing about South Park is, and the thing about a lot of satire about pretty much any marginalized community is that there are levels to it where it's like, there's a point where Gentiles and any non-minoritized person are like watching a comedy that's not about them. And um, they are laughing at these jokes that are really derogatory because the creators, like, it's funny to me. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I want you to really analyze like, who's laughing. I recently saw, I cannot remember, um, but there was a black creator on TikTok talking about like Boondocks, the show where they were like, if you're I a white person, TikTok. you're watching this quickly. I need you to explain why. And it's that same thing of like, what is being satirized? Who is laughing? And what is the joke of the expensive? Because the problem is that that line gets really blurry really fast. Now to Mel Brooks's credit, I feel like he's generally been pretty clear throughout his life and career. Like you are not the person I made this for. However, 
that barrier is borderline non-existent for a lot of satire. And so like, especially with South Park, the jokes at the expense of like so many people are written from the perspective of like, LOL, it's just an in-joke. It's funny to me, but it's like, you're enabling a lot of really disingenuous and bad behavior, which is a weird line that that satirical works have to walk. I don't know if uh, Spaceballs does that because once again, I have not seen this, Um, but that's just like, vis-a-vis satire in media that's i think that's an important thing to acknowledge i yeah i i think that something that's really interesting about star wars parodies in specific is that this is very a very prevalent theme in it um of like walking that line and i I, as i get into it later um because i don't want to get into too much into it now but like where I, I think this is a really good way to look at it on a more like theoretical level as opposed to a personal level where it's like, oh, as this is my like literal identity and like this is something I cannot divorce from myself. But like as a Star Wars fan, like I can look at something and like analyze it as like, okay, you clearly don't understand like this. You don't understand how the Jedi work. That is going to be something I have to talk about later. Um, but like truly beating people's asses. Point is, let's get back to Spaceballs. Um... Basically, what ha- what happened, they are able to harness the power of the Schwartz, um, which is um, <laughs> Mel Brooks's version of the Force. He also plays the Yoda character who is named Yogurt. Where is Yogurt capitalism? That's a great question. And Wait. it is answered in the movie itself. He predicted Grogu capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Elaborate immediately. Okay. So it's that is that is one of my favorite parts of the movie actually is mel brooks doing a mel brooks doing a commentary on franchise capitalism like people refer to it about everything not just about star wars but like where he 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 basically like in the movie he's like we got to do it for the merchandise <laughs> and like and at, at the time like the cultural discussion around star wars was we are creating what a blockbuster is and we are creating merchandise around around films like that was the big cultural discussion so that's what he was making fun of and nowadays it's just normal um <laughs> yeah so no like you get to see how like dystopian it is in the, in the universe because like it starts with basically imagine noah when luke goes to train with yoda um that he goes basically to a merchandise shop <laughs> or oh. a place with a merchandise shop. Oh, it's 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 much like when in the in the in the Lego Halloween special when they're like they're they're satirizing um, Galaxy's Edge, but they ha- like by having the merchandise store with it like in for those who may not have listened to our Halloween episode, um, in that they have that one of the huts uh, after the Empire, one of the huts wants to turn um, Vader's castle into a casino and a theme park basically and like a a destination place to stay and he like makes a merchandise store or whatever and it looks just like the one in in galaxy's edge and it has a lot of layers because this is produced by disney and lego (laughs) um it's it's spaceballs walked so that could run so true um but anyways they're able to save the day the whole like death star thing is not the death star it is um a maid so the ship that they are in turns into a woman with a vacuum um, and she goes to suck all the air out of this planet and Lone Star uses the Schwartz to stop that from happening. It's great. You were isn't, say- isn't, there a, isn't there also kind of a Voltron parody there? Yes. Like they use a- <laughs> yes. It is very Voltron, very Power Rangers-esque. Everybody at home, please check out the box for Claudia brings in an unrelated piece of media. No, no, but th- no, 
it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It is literally no. I know. Uh, I'm just I'm just being a dick, but like I, 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 the Voltron series, and I have B. Voltron, Kimmy, Mel Brooks. Are you kidding? Basically, what happened afterwards is um. The maid gets destroyed. They do very something very similar <laughs> to um, uh, the the movie A New Hope, where they go into like this little hole, and it's her ear hole actually. <laughs> and they go to hit this dis- uh, self destruct button within the maid. Um, Darth Helmet, who is the Darth Vader character, Rick Moranis plays Darth Helmet. It's one of the, his best performances. It's so funny. He he walked so that Kylo Ren could run. And many people so have mentioned this true. before me, that they were like, because there's like pieces of his story in Spaceballs that are a lot like Kylo Ren. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so for Noah, and for the viewers who might not have seen Spaceballs, um, the scene um there's this scene this confrontation between dark helmet and lone star where dark helmet is like uh lone star i am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's college roommate and he's like what does that make us and he's like nothing and that is is that not kylo and Ray? <laughs> that is so fucking iconic <laughs> what does that make us nothing we're like zero relation actually i don't even know who you are like when people got out the theater from the rise of skywalker like the first shit that people posted online was that scene from Spaceball. <laughs> but anyway, so that that I so think the is maid sucks up the air from the planet. The maid is oh, yes. the maid is sucking up the air from the planet. Yes, gets destroyed. Um, so the air goes back to the planet. Everything's great. Um, Lone Star and Dark Helmet have this confrontation where they do like a little um bit of a lightsaber esque fight. Um, with their physical manifestation of the Schwartz. It's very confusing to me. I was not paying attention. This movie doesn't give a shit about the lore. Um, so anyways, that's destroyed. Um, the president, Dark Helmet, and then Colonel Sanders, who is essentially the Tarkin-esque character in this. Um, God, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot Colonel Sanders was Tarkin. Yeah. Colonel Sanders <laughs> fucked TK421? <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about Annie and talk about Tarkin in Annie. There's so (gasps) much there. I forgot about that. Anyways, point is, stuff happens. Um, Lone Star finds out that he is actually a prince so he can marry Vespa and then they get married. And that's basically the end of the movie. I don't know why, but it almost made me cry. It's a good movie. Emotional, not clickbait. I may need to watch this movie. Watch the space. That's a lot. Very fun. Thank you for your retelling of Spaceballs. That was a wonderful, like, dramatic reading of that movie. Of course. Are we? Oh well, if we're talking about Mel Brooks, also, um, there was he did do one other uh, Star Wars parody, which was in uh, History of the World Part One, which is my favorite Mel Brooks movie, which came out before this, I believe. Um, they have like a, they have like a. A trailer at the end for the part two and there is a there is a part called Jews in space that is um that is very much a Star Wars parody like down to the imagery and everything but they, they never made a part two there's just like that little tiny thing and uh now I gotta look and see actually if that came before or after it space came balls. before there's a scene in Spaceballs where they're trying to figure out where the crew is and so um Colonel Sanders is like why don't we just watch the videotape of this movie it's very very oh, oh yeah, yeah i forgot about that and they go and look at all of mel books brooks's discography 
our filmography, yeah, find Spaceballs and watch it up until they are like caught up with themselves and are like moving and the screen is moving. It's very fun. That's Oh my god, I know I know the other reference. You know when Ray in The Last Jedi like does her little wave <laughs> yeah, in the, in the it mirror? It's that exact scene. <laughs> There's a scene for those who've seen it in Spaceballs where they're they're all like they're looking in the camera and there's like you know when like the, there's a mirror and then the camera and it like keeps reflecting and there's like a many layers. It's just like that. Um, Dark Helmet uh, <laughs> has that. And everyone was like, oh my God, it predicted the last gen. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry, but I was just thinking about Mel Brooks. And the, I, when you're talking about like his filmography, I was like, LOR, are they going to watch the producers? And then I got the thought about Springtime for Palpatine uh, as the concept for a play. <laughs> no, you are done. Before we jump to the 2010s, could I briefly discuss Weird Al Yankovic? Oh, of course. Um yeah, so bef- we're we're doing mostly full-length parodies right now. Um, so I know what many people are going to say. They're going to say, what about Robot Chicken? Um, what about um, the Simpsons have done several? We can only cover so many right now. Um, but before we jump to pretty much the 2010s, um, I do want to shout out the king of parodies, who is Weird Al Yankovic, who has done two star wars parodies the first one was the yoda parody the song lola by the kinks um so that was the first one and he did it in 1985 so it was way back there the second one is an integral part of star wars history which is um the saga begins which weird al yankovic himself is a real he's a huge star wars fan and like, if people don't know, like, if people think the Star Wars fandom is bad now, it's always been fucking crazy. Um, the fandom when the prequels was coming out was fucking crazy insane. Um, and it was also the beginning of the internet, so people were, like, they were sleuth in it. So when the Phantom Menace was announced, um, and through that, like, people, people were posting leaks, rumors, very similar to today. Nothing has changed. So... He wanted to do he wanted to do a song in honor of the Phantom Menace coming out, but he didn't know the plot of the Phantom Menace in order to make a parody of it. So this man scoured like forums for spoilers and leaks of the film and made the song using that. And he has probably one of the best uh, music videos of all time. Like I need I need everyone to go watch it. It's it's phenomenal. Not only because and we're we're gonna Mel's probably gonna bring this up a lot later of like accuracy to Star Wars canon or whatever. Weird Al it cares quite a lot. Um and that's also a big thing for parody for him in general is like being very accurate to the source text in order to be able to do a really good parody of it. And that's why people love his stuff. This man n- accurately predicted the entire plot of the phantom menace in this song um and i believe someone correct me if i'm wrong he because of this he wanted to get to the premiere of the movie and stuff like that and eventually he got to go um before our time claudia (laughs) oh my god um (laughs) i did forget to say this song predates both mel and noah's existence yeah um yeah yeah, so weird al yankovic is a really good example of what we were talking about of like people who make parodies because of the love of the thing um the saga begins i don't think he's even made a star wars parody after that claudia what song is this parodying what song is it using as a bass oh it's it's american pie i I should have said that first 
Okay. I should have I should have said that first. It I was just making sure because I was about to revoke your white person card okay. if you didn't know this song. To be fair, I was also a child during that time and I didn't know popular songs from this like 70s, 80s, and 90s. This is how I learned songs from Weird Al Yankovic parodies. So like, give me a fucking break. The other piece of this is the video was so cool. It was one of the first viral videos on, on the internet before Damn. YouTube existed. And it became so popular that Don McLean, who sang the original song, um, and Yankovic has to get he has to get permission to do all these parodies. He he loves the par- he loved the parody so much, um, and his kids loved it so much that sometimes he would catch himself singing the parody lyrics when he would oh perform gosh. the song. Um, it is it was pr- played frequently on Radio Disney with a radio edit. They re- and they removed the line, "Did you see him hitting on the Queen?" Um, <laughs> Who is he? Anakin. Okay, it's, good. I was like, okay. what? I, uh, I'm i going to ask a question that's going to age me so completely, like, in the opposite direction. How did a video go viral before there was YouTube? Because there were other th- places on the internet to watch you videos before YouTube. You would just post it on a website. So, um, the video... That's crazy. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, um, I want to... I, I need to look up, actually, where it like, was. Like, my originally... worldview has been shattered. Like, I have been irrevocably changed by this information. Well, I was also... not prepared to receive this. Like, people put it on, like, websites. And there were, like, video sites. Yeah. So, it was... It, this came out in, in 1999, like, right before The Phantom Menace. Um, and he's dressed up like Obi-Wan Kenobi and singing the whole time. And it's... It's beautiful. Go learn about the saga begins because um, we wouldn't have Star Wars like we have today without it. Okay, now I need to talk about Troopers 2011. Troopers, I'm about to say something that's going to be very upsetting. Aged like fucking cottage cheese, laid out. All of college humor aged so badly. Laid in the hot Arizona sun so bad. It is not That's funny. Bad. I didn't That's laugh. Bad. I did not laugh once in the original Troopers. However, we'll get later. It is about two like stormtrooper adjacent. It's like a kind of like office comedy type situation, except for it's not ever funny. Um, it is the worst parts of 2011 humor. Just truly, it's like YouTube's worst era. Yes, truly a yeah. dark time. Things I will give it: Sam Reich, um, which is who is. Um, one of the actors in it. I love him very much. And <laughs> I'm like, Sam, I know you're better than this. However, years later, in 2019, Troopers Rise of the Budget came out. Um, Troopers Rise of the Budget is their kind of spoof of the sequel trilogy. It's starring Ali Beardsley um, and Raphael Chestang of College Humor and Dimension 20 fame. Um, they play Mara and Vin. Um... <laughs> Mara and Vin are two troopers um, who go on this wild adventure. Um, however, I will say it is one of the most, this one is like one of my favorite, like looks into like what people think about the sequel trilogy who aren't like deep, deep into the fiction, but also are. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that the writers, because every episode was basically written by a different person and there's nine episodes, like what their treatment for the sequel trilogy would have been. And so there is one episode where we get a very fun callback to Troopers, the garbage one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because Vin does not know who his father is. Um, And so we find out that 
both Larry and Rich from the original Troopers <laughs> trilogy. They are his dad, kind of, through some Palpatine clony bullshit. Even though are they? Even though Vin is black and they are both white, <laughs> they yeah. are they are gay. They are very Wait, like. So the col- the offensive college humor parody has more gay representation than Star Wars. Yeah, itself? Allie Beardsley is non-binary. The the person Wait. who played Mara was is fully you know. This, much like Star Wars itself, when you were when we were saying earlier of like oh some of these parodies they do so great and then they also what the fuck it, it it's just such a parallel to the source text where you're like oh mm-hmm. wow it it does so many wonderful things and also why so true <laughs> um that's that's a lot to unpack yeah. there anyways um so basically. It's, I'm not going to go super into it because there's so much to cover, but it is a really interesting look into, like, the sequel, like, what people have to say about the sequel trilogy. Um, and then also, like, there's this thing in theme plot point um, where this character, Mara, has felt very um, isolated in, like, trooper identity and, like, doesn't feel like they are worth anything. And so this Jedi character, who's actually called a Wayseeker, which I was like, oh my god, just like in Star Wars. Um, it's like, you matter, like, we love you, like, da 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 and then it, like, ends up being, like, this, like, whole cult subplot, and, like, actually doesn't give a fuck about you. Anyways, I was like, this Yo, is not... Crimson Dawn? <laughs> not Crimson Dawn. I was like, this is fine, because obviously this is them not necessarily sticking completely to the source material, and just, like, kind of spoofing the genre, and, like, having what they have to say about, like, MLMs, because it is a literal MLM in this, in this series. Also, very Star Wars. MLMs, as you know from listening to this podcast, are very on brand for Star Wars. So true. <laughs> I I also remember watching this, the second one, I think, as it was coming out, because I was very deep into my Star Wars YouTube era. I watched a lot of conspiracy videos, a lot of crack videos, a lot mm. of Star Wars Vine compilations, a lot. <laughs> and then, of course, a lot of the college humor stuff would come out. And I do remember when it came up and, like, She's named Mara, and it's obviously a Mara Jade reference, and they do make a lot of Mara Jade references in it because they're like, yeah, we're like, they're like older millennials who are making this, so they're all like people who are fans of Mara Jade. And I was like, I, I was very, I was very toxic at that time. So I was like, shut up about Mara Jade. Shut up. Just, can we just talk about the movies, please? Shut up. And I, and I was like, I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> That actually not funny anymore. <laughs> that's actually a great point. And I would like to get into my conversation about Annie the Musical, which came out in 2014. Annie the Musical is a musical about Anakin Skywalker returning to Tatooine to do one last pod race. In this musical, Annie is like a big man child. His best friend is Jeremy Tarkin. Not not Wolof. His first name is Jeremy in this. Um, POV that's Thrawn. <laughs> okay. Oh, I forgot to say, in the um, College Humor second Troopers thing, there is a character who is a little bit like Thrawn in Hux's love child, and I was like, oh, <laughs> she is so, a girl boss. Okay, wait, 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 wait. This is not a joke. Ray this Sloan. Is a, this is a real musical that someone wrote, yes, directed. It's, the, okay, it's not, so it's Star Kid. It's Star Kid, so, the very Potter musical. Oh, oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Did not yeah. that that puts it into yeah, where it's this, supposed to be. This yeah. is not their first musical after Star after. Uh, very no, Potter musical. This no. was like this is like, like almost ten, not even not in ten years, like 
four or five years after. Um, so anyways, the plot of this is, like I said, Anakin going to Tatooine to do the Boon to Eve one last time. Mara Jade is also in this. Um, I thought she was gonna be like the female lead and I was like, what the fuck? Um, but that's just more of like a little gag for people who know the deep Star Wars lore. The, sh- the musical is really about Anakin, well, uh, sorry, Jeremy Tarkin and JJ. Um, <laughs> there is a joke that the Death Stars together are supposed to look like a pair of tits, um, which I found very funny. I 2014 was a dark time. Veers is in this musical, so Veers watch, you win. Um, is he actually? <laughs> yeah, Veers is in the musical. <laughs> um, huge L though. Tarkin is in love with a woman in this one. A stormtrooper named Emily. Um, no. <laughs> erasure strikes again. I know. Again. I was like straight watching. This is so hateful. Um. There's also, um, at the timestamp of 2146, Darth Vader says, Jesus Christ, I thought these jokes would slay. And that was, like, so true. That's me every time I enter this podcast. There are several Star Wars musicals, fan musicals. Um, there was supposed to be an official Star Wars musical that I think they even wrote some songs for. And then they stopped working on because then George was like, I'm going to go make the prequels. This one is the best one, <laughs> by far. It is. It is. It fucks. Also, their dancing in it is crazy. I watched this on two times speed today, so I could get through it. And there's like a lot of running in that musical, and um, it was crazy. Anyways, point is, um, also, here's the point, um, because we're in the Empire. This is like I would say probably like a year or two before A New Hope is when this is set, um. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi is also on Tatooine, and he is trying to get the fuck rid of Darth Vader while he can. And so he is like Jar Jar, who is also living on Tatooine for plot reasons. He does kill him with a gun. Just a gun. Not not a... Jar Jar gets shot to death by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. (laughs) Not clickbait. Not clickbait. Um, Also... um, What is the tea? The girls are fighting. Um... Obi-Wan is a drunk. He's has some issues. Um he when there's this scene where he like does a mind trick on a bartender and he's like I have a surfboard dick. It's very funny to me personally. Oh my god. Um, I bet that's what the wait, 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 series wait. is going to be like. Exactly. Like his dick is like his dick is shaped like a surfboard. I, like that's it's a flat. great question. Oh, also Obi-Wan does make a joke about how the two times he has chopped someone in half they've come back as robots. Um <laughs> Clone so Wars reference. They did reference the Clone Wars. They also kind of did some Clone Wars bashing, which was hateful, but it was 2014. People are whatever in 2014. It's weird, though, because the Clone Wars has always been, like, beloved. Even when they hated the prequels, people were like, well, the, the Clone Wars fixed them, whatever. Even the mm. dude bros. So, like, that's hateful. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's basically, um, if you have to listen to one song in this musical, I would recommend listening to You Got It, in parentheses, The Force. Um, it's so funny. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's another conversation to be had about, like, the concept of the Force and the will of the Force and the Jedi as a religion. Really? God, I forgot about that in that musical. Yeah. People are not great about having an understanding of, like... I think, once again, we've had this conversation on this podcast before, it comes from this place of, like, people with religious trauma, usually and specifically people from Western countries who have religious trauma, really like to, like, put that 
on the Jedi Order, and that is just not canonically what that is about. Like George Lucas did not base the Jedi religion off surprisingly of because because like films like usually they they pull heavily from Christianity, and this it did. I mean, he very much was like it's Buddhism. <laughs> I think the weird thing about people talking about the Jedi is I think a lot of people are not able any like not anywhere, but like very few people are able to just like have the good guys be the good guys in a story. They're like, no, but like, what if they're secretly evil? And I'm like, it's it's very, very like it's very, very clear cut. Star Wars is not this complex, okay? The Jedi are supposed to be good. They do fucked up shit sometimes, but like they're not an evil religious order. They're not kidnapping children. I'm like, please do better. I really do believe this is not only the best Star Wars musical, but the best Star Wars parody. And that's putting it over Lego Star Wars, which is one of my favorites. This musical is also very funny. I, I like, I just love parodies, how they deal with Palpatine. Because they're like, we don't really want to focus on his like whole shtick because it's boring, whatever. He's there. Um, and in this one, to keep him sated, to keep him away from the overall plot, they do just have him um, construct a, a Lego set, like a Lego TIE fighter. I or, not TIE fighter, an X-Wing. Very funny. Very funny. Um, but yeah, now... I'm going to get to my last parody of the evening. The one that I really want to talk about. Phineas and Ferb 2014. This shit is crazy. This shit is crazy. Because it does imply that Perry the Platypus was the Rogue One squad. Like, all of them. He was... He had the Death Star plans. And he could. And he could. He he, He could. Like, if if Perry the Platypus was in Star Wars, like, we wouldn't have needed any of them. Guys... You don't what? understand. Perry the platypus died on scare. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Perry the he platypus. He wouldn't have. No, that exactly. This this episode of Phineas and Ferb proves that like Rogue One would have been so different if Perry the platypus had been there. They would not have died on Scarif. Perry, so Perry I guess the platypus then, is a Mary Sue. Yeah. So true. And I guess <laughs> then my advice to the Rogue One squad, may, like I don't know, be better. Um, yeah. Be a platypus. Phineas and Ferb and. In the tradition of The Simpsons, in the pr- tradition of, I guess, the two others that we mentioned, Weird Al and um, Starkid, whatever, mm-hmm. Jesus, um, <laughs> they they do parody quite often, don't they? Yeah. Um, and they are also a musical. Um, well, most of the time, anyway. Yeah. Phineas and Ferb, there are musical numbers in this one, and they do kind of fuck. Vanessa, who is Doofenshmirtz's daughter, is a Twi'lek in this one, and I'm like... That's a choice. That's Vanessa a choice. As, as Harris and Dula? No, she's like a singer at the cantina. So this was made <laughs> recently when with the uh, with the Disney acquisition? Yes. Yes, that is the whole entire reason it got made. And that's this is why this is probably the most accurate of the parodies. Other than Lego, which is Other also than Lego, of Disney course. official sanction. Exactly. Um, so basically, this is the plot of A New Hope, but Phineas and Ferb are there, and they don't want to leave Tatooine. So they, like, reverse Luke Skywalker. Um, first of all, Candace does play an Imperial in this one. Candace, <laughs> of no! she is. Of course she is. She, she, by nature, is a person who is looking to police others. I think that the fascist regime is going to be a perfect This is just like Lop and Ocho from <gasps> Star Wars Vision. <laughs> Stop. No, this is just like how DW becomes a cop at the end of Dexter. <laughs> Tragically, I hate, to, I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Vanessa would never, but that's... Yeah, so true. Oh, my God. Anyways, so basically, it's the plot of A New Hope, right? Perry gets the Death Star plans, gives them to R2. Leia is, like, doing her Wait, whole thing. 
R2 and Leia, like, the they're Star all Wars there. characters are They're in- all there. Oh, so it's like they're in. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, they're that's in a, universe. That's a different vibe. It's very different. They get to interact with all these, like, canon characters. It's a Kingdom Hearts vibe. Actually, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you one more time. There was a announcement that there was going to be more another Kingdom Hearts game, and the people zeroed in on one shot that they thought looked like it had an AT-AT foot in it, and um, people were like, oh, they're finally going to bring Star Wars into Kingdom Hearts because, you know, it's owned by Disney, and people have been asking that for years. Um, and I, Kingdom Hearts, you could have a whole discussion about Kingdom Hearts as parody, is it parody? What is it? Um, does Is Phineas and Ferb parody? Or is it more like Kingdom Hearts in that it's crossover fan fiction? I feel like it's crossover fan fiction because the yeah. ending of this episode I gets into fan fiction territory. Leia does fucking bust down with Perry the Platypus. I'm sorry, she She was? deserves that, actually. Um, it, it, I would get there. So basically, the, the plot of A New Hope is happening, but Phineas and Ferb are there first of all there's a lot of tuscan rep in this um nice some of it good some of it bad oh the good pair the platypus makes a birthday cake for a tuscan child oh my god also good ferb knows tuscan that is okay dinjarin and ferb no 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 because i actually do need to talk about a parallel to the mandalorian it predicted a scene in the mandalorian so in this parody <laughs> perry the platypus is also on tatooine because um the death star plans i don't know i think he gets i think perry gets tasked with making sure r2 gets to obi-wan so he is on tatooine trying to follow um r2 but r2 gets obviously taken by jawas so perry the platypus jumps up onto their little like vehicle but unlike dinjarin he is the chad to dinjarin's <laughs> virgin climber guy and fucking jumps on and is fine. He, nothing bad happens to him. But the the parallel of the very quiet, stoic Perry the Platypus. <laughs> is Perry the Platypus just Platypus Dinjarin? Discuss. Yes, so Actually, true. <gasps> Dinjarin's persona is a platypus. Basically, Doofenshmirtz is trying to create a Sithinator, which is a device that can make Sith. Um, oh my god! Wait, it's it's the overarching plot of the Children of the Sith to to clone Palpatine pipeline. Mm-hmm. In order to create the Snoke clones, and also, oh my god, Doofenshmirtz was experimenting on Grogu and Mount Tantus. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is is Doofenshmirtz Thrawn then? (laughs) Not Doofenthrawn. (laughs) (laughs) Doofenthrawn Evil Incorporated. (laughs) That's just the chimera. Candace has a mission and it's to get socks for Darth Vader. Um, That becomes a whole thing. Anyways. She has a song about how she likes the uh, Empire because it gives her uh, um, routine and order. Um, oh my and god, she's, she's Thrawn! She's Thrawn! <laughs> she is Thrawn, I fear. Anyways, um, Balji and Buford are also stormtroopers with her, which feels hateful. Don't do this to my kings. Um, free my boy, Balji. Um, even though at the end he has a very Bodie Rook moment, which I was like, this is interesting. <laughs> That's gas and slay. So slay. Um, anyways, Ferb has wreath Silas energy. That's what I put in my notes. Um, I don't know if that's true. I think it's just, I think I, it's funny. I agree with that. Oh, Watto is in this. So. <laughs> Watto mention? Okay. Slay. Not Watto mention. Motto cameo. 
Did I say love. motto? Watto did. Oh, because they're on Tatooine. <laughs> yes, they are on Tatooine. Um, oh. And they're trying to, like, figure out what's... Because they basically... What, what happens is through some shenanigans, they get um, the Death Star plans on them. Like, it's on this disc and they just happen to ro- get this disc. And so they're like, we have to give this back to the robot, the robot, <laughs> to R2. Um, because obviously it's important. Um, and so Watto, like, shows them what's on the disc, and that's, anyways, that's that. Um, so they hire a pilot so they can go chase after the Falcon crew, um, who are here. And Boba Fett also is grocery shopping in this, which is very funny to me. I was like, that's Book of Boba so Fett could powerful. never. Book of Boba um, Fett's screaming, crying, throwing up. Actually, also, side note, there is um, a small Star Wars parody that is one of from early YouTube. It's like from 2006. Um, it's called Grocery Store Wars. It is it is one of the first videos that I was obsessed with on the internet when I had access um, on like a desktop computer. Um, it is cinematography. Imagine Veggie Tales, but with real veggies used like stop motion to do Star Wars. There's cucumbers. It is, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, we're not going to talk about it too much more here, but if we're talking about grocery shopping, please go watch Grocery Star Wars. That's all I'm going to say. So they get, a, the, they see the Death Star plans and they see, oh, there's this like very obvious like um, flaw in the um, plan. Like you could shoot that and the Death Star would blow up. They're like, who would ever make that mistake? And then it cuts to Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And so the implication is that he is Galen Erso, right? Oh my like, God. That is the implication. That's kind of Yasin Slate. <laughs> As I said before, they are both canonically autistic. <laughs> so true. Okay, anyway, so they go to this cantina. Shout out to the novel Catalyst, which does establish Galen Erso as autistic so in literally true. everything but name. Okay, actually, Catalyst is one of my favorite Star Wars books. I don't talk about it a lot, they, but it is yes. one of my favorite. It unironically fucks. Yeah. Anyways. Lyra or so, girl, you deserve so much better. Anyways, point is, they go to this cantina. Chewbacca, Han, and the crew have already left. So they're stuck having to work with Isabella Garcia Shapiro, Jewish-Mexican icon. Is She's giving big Affy Hollow vibes, for those of you who are fans of the oh. High Republic, where she's like, you guys are weird. You're annoying. I don't want to really deal with you, uh, but you are paying to do this so eh. um she's like the han solo obviously of this little adventure they go into the death her star the han solo is such a it's such a cool choice women's rights so true so basically they get to the death star um some shenanigans are afoot um phineas and um ferb it is revealed have been training with uh obi-wan kenobi to become jedi um <laughs> But they don't really, like, use their powers or anything other than to make their lightsabers tools because they're Phineas and Ferb. Um, anyways. Oh, my God. That's Ram Jamaram moment. So true, Wait, actually. Is 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 Ferb Ram Jamaram? Discuss. No, I feel like it has to be Phineas. Okay. Oh, that way. If they're wreathing. wreathing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyways, point is, um, shenanigans are afoot. Ferb accidentally gets hit with the Sithinator. And turns into Darth Ferb. Ezra Bridger moment. <laughs> he dresses up like um Maul. It's very funny. He like I, he... yeah with the green spikes. Yes. Obsessed. Yes. It's so obsessed slay. with him. Savage so moment. 
Savage Press era. Um, and he does nearly kill Phineas. Like, in the show. Savage Press era. <laughs> also followed by people talk shit about the helicopter lightsabers, myself included. I simply think that the hoverboards of the Star Wars universe, neither here nor there, they get into some shenanigans with those lightsabers where they, it is, like, basically, like... I don't even know how to describe it. It is just a weapon of mass destruction. So <laughs> true. And so they fight it out um, until um, Candace, who um, has a change of heart mid-episode, she's like, wait, the Empire's bad? Question mark? We just blew up a planet? That's no good. Oh my god, is she callous? She's giving callous vibes. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, point is, they are like, yay! Candace, Belgi, and uh, Buford are not Imperials anymore. Ferb isn't a Sith. Everything's great. Wait, we are stuck on the Death Star and they're about to blow it up. <laughs> Isabella. Like fucking deus, deus ex machinas her ass to the Death Star. After talking to her little fireside girl, fireside, fire camp, fire starter girls. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they're called. Arsonists. <laughs> they're very much so giving Padme's handmaidens in this episode. They didn't do that. Nice. I think it would have been a very funny gag for them to do to make them dressed as Padme's handmaidens. Pio- but... POV, Vanessa joins Crimson Dawn with Sabe. <laughs> so true. I love that you keep mentioning Vanessa because she's not really in this episode at all. Um, I don't know. She has a song. Anyways, Wait, when is... you said Vanessa, did, did you mean Isabella? That's what I meant. Oh, that's, that's what I meant okay, to say. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I was yeah. like, it's it's late. I'm an and idiot. it's fine. It's and it's fine. I just wanted to clarify because I was like, so Vanessa, not to not to clock you on the Phineas and Ferb Her lore, the, but Vanessa does not work with the Fireside Girls, okay, or Campfire am, Girls. She doesn't work with the girls, capital T, capital G. G. Mm-hmm. So the gals go to the Death Star. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, basically, she saves the day, they're all fine, and then we get to see, like, the medal scene from A New Hope. Um, everyone's gotten their medals, and then there's, like, a dance and song moment. Um, uh, there's a very funny line where Isabella is like, hey, Phineas, are we related in any way, shape, or form? And he's like, no, and then they kiss. Um, <laughs> I think it's just a funny thing, and that they are endgame, so whatever. Um, so that makes me kind of believe that this is, like, maybe a dream that Isabella had and, like, that is what this all means. But anyways, point is, at the very end, like, one of the last shots of this fucking episode is Leia busting it down with Perry, the platypus. They are dancing. They are getting lit. That's so powerful. And And Han and Luke are just, like, upset with their arms crossed in the corner. It's very funny. I think... I think Carrie Fisher would approve of that, to be frank. So true. Did Perry the Platypus cuck Han Solo? (laughs) (laughs) Not clickbait. (laughs) So yeah, those were the Star Wars parodies I watched. Thank you for bearing with me as I info-dumped about all of them. You're an incredible narrator. I did. I felt like I was really like there along for the ride with so many of these that I literally haven't seen. Slays were definitely had. Um, Yeah. I think that like... Like, it was a lot of information, but at the end of the sleigh, it's so important that we, like, talk about these kinds of things because they're very, very fun to discuss. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to find a way to work at the end of the sleigh into a sentence, and I really was giving it my all, but yeah. moving on the fly was so hard. So true. Improv is so hard. Um, So, this is all to say, I think my... I can't choose a favorite. I think all of them were pretty solid. I can't choose the worst one, and it was Troopers 2011. 
thank you so much for joining us this week for our uh, parodies of Star Wars Rogue One on RuPaul's Pod Race. Our episodes usually drop every Sunday. Right now we're on a every two week schedule until uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out. Um, for updates, Star Wars news, more cursed shit, follow us on social media at Rupalps Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Podchasers, Spotify, or Overcast. It means a lot to us, and it really helps us out a lot. Um, also, our one-year anniversary is in two weeks and is going to be our next episode and we like to do an AMA. Um, we used to do a lot of more questions, um, and then TikTok broke the Q&A function, and then it brought it back. Tweet at us, send us an IG message, go to our TikTok Q&A, ask us anything. Um, we're very excited. We're very excited to celebrate one year with you guys, uh, even though we don't have any Star Wars media to cover right now. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very fun and exciting in Yasin's Lane. We have fun things planned. So um, send us many many fun little questions and a lot of apologies if we did not answer your questions before. You guys sent a ton of them in the in the before times and then TikTok decided this function doesn't exist anymore and then randomly brought it back. So we lost like a ton of your questions. <laughs> Um, but you, if you don't have TikTok, you can also send them other ways. So, um, and we also have an email address. Um, we haven't said that one in a, in a while, um, which is just rupalpspodrace at gmail.com. You can send questions there as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and may the force be with you and don't crip it up. Waka waka. waka. waka.